Here's an industry definition of what a chief revenue officer does. A chief revenue officer, or a CRO, is responsible for every process that generates revenue in an organization. CROs work to connect different revenue-related functions, marketing to sales, customer success, pricing, and revenue operations. 32% of the 90 technology companies TSI tracks every quarter has a CRO in place. Companies like Box, DocuSign, Fortinet, Juniper Networks, and Salesforce. But 32% is just the beginning. TSIA asserts that the CRO role will become commonplace in the technology industry. And in this episode, TSI researcher Steve Frost will join me in making the case why. Steve's in the process of spinning up TSIA's new CRO console. Now, for those listeners not familiar with TSIA, we are a for-profit research institute, and we are on a mission to help our member companies run profitable technology business models that unlock real business value for customers. So let's get right into it. Steve, welcome. Uh, You've been on Tectonic before, but uh, since your last visit, you have been engaged in a new endeavor related to the CRO role. So uh, tell our listeners what you've been up to. First of all, it's great to be back. Thank you. I love the podcast. I'm a fan, not just an occasional guest. About a year ago, maybe a little over a year ago, we looked at how TSIA was presenting and packaging and essentially conducting our research for revenue-related functions. And you know, we were talking to the sales suite, as many people do. We had a, a wonderful practice called subscription sales, where people who really wanted to figure out how to sell subscription and as a service and modify their sales organization and optimize it would join. But we looked at that and said, you know, I don't know that we're solving a big enough problem. Because we at TSIA, and we've been in this, you've been at this for, for a while, so have I. We looked at it and said, that's just the beginning. And in a recurring revenue world, what happens at the sale is literally the beginning of the journey. You're maybe getting a, a third, a 36th maybe of your revenue up front. And what happens after that throughout the entire customer life cycle is where most of the money changes hands and where you're either going to be profitable or you're not. And as we looked at the layer model and how we were talking about revenue and what we saw in reality, we knew there had to be a bigger picture and we knew there had to be a bigger story. We just had to figure out what that was. So I went out and conducted a series of interviews and surveys and we're talking to chief revenue officers. And if they didn't have the title of CRO, they were people who were maybe GMs or COOs or even chief commercial officers who had responsibility, not just for the sale. But for revenue and usually profitability across the entire customer lifecycle. And from that, we validated that, yes, this was a need. People, like you said in the intro, 32% of people already have a CRO and even more have somebody who's performing that function in their company in some way, shape or form. So we've launched this new research area called the Chief Revenue Officer or CRO Council. And it's been really, really exciting. We've had more interest than we've ever had in anything that, you know, certainly I've been involved with at TSIA, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Excited to talk with you about CROs and what we're seeing and what they're doing. Um, that is the longest introduction we've ever had on this podcast, but that Sorry was a good one. <laughs> I, I, I get going, and, uh, and there that's you a, go. That's okay. 
That's okay. Uh, future guests, don't don't take your coaching from from Steve Froster. No, I'm no, please don't. That's Steve. actually just that's just that's just good. That's just a good idea all the way around. Let's be honest. <laughs> well, to to get serious here, I mean, we believe that almost every tech company is facing really business model transformation challenges. And those challenges include A, reducing complexity for customers, B, anchoring offers on value realization, C, growing recurring revenues, right, as you reduce transactional revenues, and then finally, you know, cost effectively growing and expanding those recurring revenues. And it's really that last challenge that you were just actually gnawing on in, in, in the opening there that is really making the business case for the CRO role. So why do you believe more tech companies really now need a CRO to be in place? Well, first of all, there's got to be a focus on cost-effective revenue, period. And you know, when, when I first started talking to sales leaders, I asked them, do you even care about cost of sales? And most sales leaders don't. I have a budget, I have a quota, I have a number, let's go hit it. And that's really the primary and first difference between an EVP sales and somebody who's thinking about sales and somebody who's thinking about a CRO. It's not just the bookings. We're thinking about growth, but responsible growth, profitable growth. And you're responsible not just for growing top line, but also protecting the bottom line. You know, it's interesting. I don't know if you saw the Wall Street Journal today, the day we're recording this episode, but there was a huge article in there about Salesforce. And Salesforce is doubling down on improving operating margin. And you and I know, and Salesforce is not unique here for a born in the cloud mm-hmm. company. Their biggest bucket, right, where they spend money is sales and marketing. So if you're going to improve operating margin, there is no doubt that you have to go after that number. And so I think the news is very timely here. It makes the case of why companies are going to really need to start to look at cost effective revenue growth and why CRO role is the person that typically has that remit. But it's interesting, you and I have made this observation. There are companies out there that have a CRO, right? So this person has the CRO title, but really they're operating like a traditional sales executive. So help the audience understand, you know, what's the difference between, let's say, an SVP or an EVP of sales and a true CRO? Well, I think we covered the first one, which is you're not just thinking about sales, but you're thinking about profitability and revenue responsibility efficiency. So that that's number one. We talked about that already. Number two, most CROs we see, it's not just the sales function that they look after. The most commonplace role we see is that it's sales and customer success, or not just post-sale, but all the way through, we talk about layer, right? Land, adopt, expand, renew. They have remit for all or much of that customer life cycle. So we're not just thinking about let's get as much money as we can up front. We're thinking about doing the right deal for the customer that actually leads to adoption because you can't have adoption of a bad deal. If it doesn't work or you didn't sell the customer the right thing, adoption becomes very difficult. Therefore, expansion becomes very difficult because you're not going to buy more of something you're not using or doesn't work. And so when you think about those motions all the way through the renewal, that's a customer lifecycle mindset. And most CROs we're seeing realize that in a subscription as a service world, that mindset has to be the primary driver of your actions. Thinking about revenue and revenue motions holistically, thinking about not just what we can sell to the customer, but will the customer actually be successful with what we sell? Otherwise, customer success, what do they do? 
Well, you said Sierra may have responsibility for CS. I agree. I mean, that can definitely happen. I know from talking to Stephen Fulkerson, who does research over on the CS side, this is becoming a big debate. Should CS report into a CRO or a chief customer officer, which is another title we're seeing more and more. And that chief customer officer often has the charter of making sure that all the service is being delivered right to that customer. You know, my perspective is I don't care (laughs) if the CRO owns CS or not, but I do think that the big difference, and you were outlining it there, between a sales executive and a CRO is a sales executive, you know, very focused on bookings and typically 100% focused on the direct and maybe the direct and the partner channel, right? That's sort of the two things that they'll own. But a CRO is really thinking about all the channels that drive revenue, which means if CS does own renewals and commercials, CS may not report into the CRO, but the CRO is looking at that channel and saying, okay, how cost-effectively are they doing that? What's our renewal rates? What's our expansion rates? What are our partners doing? What's our direct? What product-led growth? I mean, they really have to have a wider lens and care about all the revenue channels. And I think that's a significant difference than what you see from typical sales executive. That's right. And, you know, the two things that I'd add on there, one, I also see marketing roll into CROs about half the time. So every channel sales, uh, product-led growth, e-commerce, the whole revenue picture, somebody's got to see that whole big revenue picture. And somebody's got to think about how that operates, not just on the front end and how you present that to the customer, but on the back end. Because a lot of those different functions that you've seen, you know, you talked about that generate revenue, different silos, different information, different backends, different interfaces. And if no one's thinking about that holistically, instead of having one unified go-to-market, you have multiple disjointed go-to-markets, which is, again, going back to efficiency, incredibly inefficient. By the way, the, the one thing I'll say about sales and CS, just to land the plane on your point, whether they report in, we don't want CS Steve Fulkerson and I agree 100%. CS should not report into sales. Okay. Once CS reports into sales, traditional sales, that becomes their primary focus. So whether they're both report into a CRO or they're both equal function, the thing that we advocate is that whoever's running customer success needs to be a peer of sales. And those two things need to be equal in the site of your company. Uh, otherwise, you're going to have a real big sales focus and not what happens after yeah, I mean, and that's a really important point because we have data on this. We've done research for years in terms of org structure. And if CS rolls into sales, CS is highly likely to be an unprofitable or a, you know, is a complete cost center. Whereas if CS is a peer of sales or it rolls into a CCO or a broad-minded CRO, then CS can drive its primary remit of driving adoption, cost-effective renewal, et cetera. So yeah, that's an important point. Now, I want to go back to you talking about these stove pipes of growth, et cetera. Typically... If a tech company wants to grow revenues, they go out and hire sales reps. I mean, it's a very simple math typically, right? I need more people on the street, knocking on doors, carrying quotas, et cetera. And we believe that one of the key benefits of having a CRO in place is that they can focus on unlocking new growth engines for the company. So what are some of the new growth engines you see CROs pursuing? Well, first things first, if you don't have somebody looking at a big picture, you're never going to discover those new growth engines, okay? Then you've got four or five people doing taking their traditional motions, and nobody's seeing that big picture. So you'll never find a new growth area if you don't know where to look in the first place. So somebody's got to see that. Second of all, we see that 
there has to be a cost-effective growth engine from your existing customers. And I know that people have been looking at that forever, but if you're taking the same sales motions that you've always taken on your new customers and just applying them to existing customers without getting smarter about data, without getting smarter about process, without getting smarter about your offers that you're taking out to your existing customers, it's really hard to grow revenue cost efficiently or effectively. Everything then is relationship-based. It's complex sales-based. So you've got to think about that to start. What do we do differently with our customer base than we do with new customers? But you're also looking at where can we really drive growth with minimal sales or human involvement? So investments in e-commerce, investments in offers that really stand without a lot of sales involvement. We see things like, can you do renewals without real deep sales involvement? Uh, do we have you know, product-led growth to add on to your existing orders, adding capacity, adding features, adding additional users, whatever that may be, without real deep sales involvement? So these are all growth engines that we see can be applied very easily. Now, eventually, we think that you're going to have to start thinking about how you repackage these offers, right? Do we have smarter ways to go to market around verticals? Do we have smarter ways to go around industry segments that we think we can win? And that really plays well into a channel strategy. But again, to your point, if your only growth engine strategy is throw more salespeople at the problem and throw more marketing budget at the problem, one, not going to work real well. And two, that's just horribly inefficient. Well, you know, as I listen to you there, I mean, if anybody needs to convince that there's a difference between a sales executive and a CRO, you just use the phrase multiple times again and again saying, how can we drive revenue with less involvement from sales, right? What are our opportunities there? And I think you're right. A CRO, they wake up every day thinking about that, right? They're trying to basically reduce the required sales cycles, whether it's through automation, whether it's through uh, different resources to take care of that commercial. And that's not how a sales executive is going to think. <laughs> They're going to say, you know, how do I get sales more involved? How do I get sales in front of more customers? How do I get bigger deals per salesperson? Which is great. I mean, that's that's what a sales executive should care about. But they, I don't think there's a lot of sales executives, tech industry, that wake up in the morning saying, gosh, how can I reduce the amount of time my salespeople are involved, you know, in any of these revenue streams? That's just not their DNA. So, and it's really interesting because since you were on here last time, you have been out there actually meeting with CROs to understand what is top of mind for them. And through those interviews, you documented this initiatives journey that many CROs need to embark on. And you're right that it starts with data and analytics. What is that first step in that initiatives journey all about? Well, let's start with the data and analytics side, because there, there's other initiatives here that we talk about all the time. One of the big ones is the roles that people play. Okay, so you convince me, uh, TSIA, or we know that sales can't do everything. So what should sales do? What should CS do? Should I have dedicated renewals people? Do I need specialists for my new as a service offering or my new managed service offering? What do I do? So there's a lot of that on the, on the initiative side. But from a data and analytics standpoint, most salespeople know Everybody I talk to, revenue officers, even sales leaders know that they have to get smarter about using data, but it's hard because one, they don't have time. The quarter is still bearing down on them. The month is still bearing down on them. So making these big data initiatives is hard and time consuming. 
And there's still some resistance. There's still a lot of, especially pure salespeople who think that sales is really more art than science and more relationship than, than algorithm. But it's time to get smarter about this. And the first place that we recommend that you start, if we talk about layer, land, adopt, expand, renew, when you're making your data investments, it's not a bad idea to kind of move backwards on that layer model. Start with your renewals motion. So when you are renewing a customer, for instance, you should know a lot about them. They've been with you for two years. If you don't know a lot about them, then you have a data collection problem to start with. But you should start to be able to see what are the tendencies of customers that renew or don't renew. And you can build out propensity renew models. If you've got really good consumption-based data, you know, are they using it? Are they not using it? And once you've established this data set on a renewal, like what does a good customer look like? What does a successful customer look like? Then you can say, all right, how did that tie to adoption? How did that tie to expansion? What did we look for within those expansion motions? Where did we find these upsells and cross-sells? Once you know all that, then you can start placing better bets on how you go after the customers in the first place, what customers you look for, what proposals you put in front of them. But that data journey should really focus on the existing customers to start, learn what you can, use it to not just improve your renewal rates, but get smarter about the kind of customer you're looking for and the place where you can be most successful. And, and the ones where we've seen make this journey kind of start there most of the time. Yeah, I mean, we, as you know, in the last book, because you contributed, we have this chapter on the data-driven sales force. And, and we are asserting, you know, very aggressively that sales has to be a much more data-driven motion. I think that the CRO is spearheading, heading that initiative, right? They're saying, hey, if, if I'm going to be an effective CRO, I've got to be following the data, number one. And in the book, we talk about different sources and where to get some of that data that's going to help you. But then you put a really important concept on the table here, which is work backwards. Start with the customers that you already have, that you should know well. And if you've got gaps in telemetry there, fix those first, right? You should be getting good telemetry either from your product or from surveys or from whatever, right? A lot of different sources there. Use that data to help optimize your renewal. And then expansion with existing customers. And then again, ultimately getting to using data to drive and optimize how you're pursuing new customers. So I think that's really, really good coaching for folks. And let's talk about this second step in this CRO initiatives journey. And you talk about it focuses on reducing customer complexity. So what do you see going on there? And what's the CRO concerned about there? That's going to be a, a tough nut to crack. Okay. And everybody talks about it, but we have built entire sales organizations on complexity as the, as the basis for what we do, right? We have big deals. We, we, you know, the customer can't handle this by themselves. But you look at the realities of, of what people want to do. They're not looking for salespeople to handhold them and guide them through this process. They can normally find out what they want to know about what they're going to buy without ever talking to a salesperson. And so, first of all, there's a different motion. You know, we, you touched on it earlier. Salespeople need to stop thinking about making things more complex. And your sales organization needs to start thinking about guiding the customer through this process, both from a business outcome standpoint and also just from a, you know, almost like the Sherpa through the process. Because they can find out the basic information. They don't need you for that anymore. And most of the time, they can even buy stuff 
usually without you anymore. So there has to, first of all, be that, that initiative. Yes, we want to drive down complexity and we want sales to be focused on only those things that are maybe too complex for a customer to do themselves. And that does happen from time to time. But if sales is spending their time on all the other stuff, that doesn't matter. But you need to start thinking about, do I have offers that play out for e-commerce? Reducing complexity, by the way, is massively important for growth in the channel. I mean, if you're expecting a channel partner to understand and sell a big, complex, multi-tiered offer that includes services and sales and five different products and high customization, you're fooling yourselves. They're not going to do it. So if you are really serious about this, and I don't see enough people, Thomas, who are serious about this, okay? You're simplifying your offers, you're simplifying your processes, you're simplifying your quoting, you're simplifying everything you do, because the world is not getting more complex when it comes to purchasing. Ask AWS, three clicks, I'm up and running, all right? This is a motion that if your sales and your revenue organization doesn't get on board with really thinking about how do I make this easier, um, you can get left behind real fast. Well, you know, the way I think about this issue with complexity and as it relates to sales, we talk about, or I often hear, and I've said it on this podcast before, this phrase of, hey, our customers have told us that they want one throat to choke. And that's why we have to have an account executive assigned. And that's really our point person. And I, my response to that always is that th- that is a red flag. If your customer saying, look, basically what your customer saying is you are so complex to deal with <laughs> that I need one person, you know, that I can, can just, you know, say, hey, you fix this because you're just too hard to do business with. And so, again, a sales executive is going to take that as a badge of honor and say, hey, that's why my account executives are so important and that's why they play a critical role for the company. And they're not going to say, wait a minute. I got to go take that complexity down. Whereas a CRO is waking up every morning and saying, that's a problem. <laughs> that's a problem. And I've got to take that complexity down. And I think, so again, the, the, the mentality is completely different. And, and they are looking for what are the biggest friction points that are frustrating my customers, that's making us have to throw a salesperson in there. And whether I can automate that, whether I can get a different person to do that. Uh, clean up our processes, you know, what do I have to do so that I don't have to have this throat to be choked? And again, I think it's a different mentality, but a, a good CRO understands if they don't go after that complexity, that those are all friction points in terms of cost-effectively growing revenue. So let me move on to success metrics. So, you know, obviously, again, sales executives focus on hitting a bookings target. That's what they care about. That's what they should care about. But I think that CROs have to care about more. So how do CROs define success? What do you see them tracking? Well, let's first of all talk about let's move away from anything that doesn't have to do with annual recurring revenue. Okay, so you are you're not thinking about let's get the bookings target. And maybe you've got a few salespeople who do that. But you're thinking about ARR and you're thinking about ARR growth rates. And that target needs to permeate throughout the entire organization. So I'll see companies and our members who are moving from kind of a transactional model to a subscription or cloud-based model. And they, they, well, how do I blend these two bookings? Like, no, you don't. You've got to start moving towards an ARR discussion, okay? Then I just sent a, a list of KPIs that you need to be thinking about to one of our members yesterday. Let's start thinking about what's your win rate and how often are you winning? Because sales efficiency, if you're not winning very often, you're too complex. 
you're not selling the right things in the right way. What's your time from putting that quote in front of the customer to close? If you're taking too long on these deals, it's too complex. But then we start thinking about different stuff. All right. Net dollar renewal rate or churn rate. You know, in a traditional sales model where you're selling uh, support and maintenance, you might be thinking about what's my renewal rate. Okay, it's 85% great on par. But renewals in a recurring revenue world are massively high stakes because it's the entire contract value that's up for renewal. And you're not getting profitable with most subscription or cloud-based customers, certainly until almost into year two. So if you're not running the motions along the way, if you're not doing the right deal in the first place, you say, well, get all the bookings you can, do the biggest deals you can. Well, that's great. Except if the customer never deploys it, then you're kind of cooked for year two, three, and four. It's thinking about this beyond just that initial sale, Thomas. And so if you start doing those sorts of things and thinking about those metrics, the customer lifetime revenue metrics, dollar renewal rate, percentage of my customers that are expanding, my cost of sale, my cost of sales versus my overall revenue. Those are the metrics that a good CRO and frankly, a good CEO should be looking at, not just did I hit my bookings for the quarter? And you need to be thinking about sales less of a cost center than it is because like you said, we can throw money at this all day with debatable results. Yeah. I mean, I I think in many ways it is a much more sophisticated view of, again, how revenue is getting generated. And several years ago, you, you did work around CAC, CAC, and Kirk, right? And we were basically telling companies, look, if you really want to understand cost-effective revenue generation, you have to understand not just CAC, which is customer acquisition cost, how much did it cost to get that first dollar revenue from the customer? Typically, it's a you know, buck fifty or more. It's more, right? It's expensive revenue to get. But how much is it costing you to expand? That's CAC, customer expansion cost, and renew, customer renewal cost, Kirk. But what you and I both know is nobody freaking knows those numbers. <laughs> we tried. Even, God, even, I, tried, I tried in three different right. surveys to get those numbers and nobody had them. Yeah, exactly. So historically, people just don't track at that level. It's just a blunt instrument, right? I've got sales and marketing costs and I know how much I spend on headcount and, and commissions or whatever. And we had to default to this number I've talked about in this podcast before, Rack, which is revenue acquisition costs, where we just look at a company's sales and marketing spend as a percentage of revenue and divide their growth. And that gives you a proxy for how efficient they're growing revenue. And we keep asserting, hey, if your Rack is really high compared to competitors, that's a problem. That's going to catch you, right? And so, but to really work that number down, you've got to be double clicking into the types of performance metrics that you just talked about here. And again, I think for a lot of companies, this is new muscle that they have to build. This is not data that they currently have at their fingertips or and, and are really inspecting. So it's, it's going to be an interesting journey to watch them do this. So, hey, I, I want to let everybody know that we put out a paper that you um, were involved in here that is titled Why CROs Will Become Commonplace. And I encourage our listeners to go to the TSI website and, and grab it because it covers some of the ground that we covered here today, but then more and in more detail. So, because again, we do really believe that this role is going to be very, very important in the tech industry. And I'm just curious, is there any other final comments you want to make to companies out there that are debating if they need a CRO in place? Well, first of all, you've got to start thinking about revenue across the customer lifecycle, not just the sale. Okay. And you have to start thinking about your cost of sales and marketing, not just 
did I hit my number? Interesting stat, by the way, we just came out with Thomas, you know, it, it, renewals. Let's talk to three different people who can handle renewals, customer success, renewal specialists, sales executives. All right. If a renewal specialist handles a renewal instead of the account executive, you're paying half the amount of incentive percentage of contract value than you do if sales does it. And if you have customer success handling those renewals, it's half of that. We've gone from about 6% down to about 1.5% of total contract value paid out. But if you have renewals in one silo and sales in one silo and customer success in one silo, nobody's thinking about that. Everybody's thinking about hitting their own number. And so you need to start thinking about revenue as a whole, revenue efficiency as a whole. And whether you do that, you know, great place to start, maybe don't have sales ops, have revenue ops. But if you don't have somebody who's thinking about this, you're going to struggle. And one of the symptoms that I'll throw out there is, do you have constant fights between your sales leaders and your customer success leaders? Because if you're seeing that friction all the time as to what the sales do, what does CS do, what do these specialists do, and you got organizational conflicts, you probably need to think about having somebody oversee all that because you can't go to market with a disjointed go to market and four or five different loose cannons pointing everywhere. Somebody's got to think about the big picture. And if you're struggling to see that, those are some of the symptoms. And I challenge you, you need to start thinking about a CRO. Yeah, I, I could not agree more. And, and again, I think that the news today in the Wall Street Journal around Salesforce is really a canary in the coal mine for high growth, born in the cloud companies that have had very little consideration around their cost of sales. I think that those days are coming to an end. I think the current economic environment is going to force that. Investors are going to start forcing that. And again, that's why I think this role ends up becoming ubiquitous in the industry because it is going to be the role that is going to take that challenge on and wrestle to the ground. So, hey, so Steve, thanks so much for stopping by today. And I, I want you to have a great time growing that CRO council. I think it's going to play a really important role in the industry in terms of helping that role mature. Because I do think it is, again, it's not a common practice to be there. And, and again, I think we've observed some CROs really are sales executives with a CRO title. So there's a, a lot of room for growth in that role and maturing what good looks like in that role. So let me end with the question of the day. I am sure there are several leaders in your company that are focused on revenue generation, but is anyone focused on revenue efficacy? Thanks for joining us. Cheers. Cheers.